That's when everything changed. I didn't take my power back. I literally snatched, I yanked it up. And I was like, yeah, no. If this continues to go like this, there's going to be no more left in you because you're going to be driving on empty for the longest time and you have to stop. The way I snatched it back, though. Okay, today we've got our storyteller, Chris Cavallari. She's a business owner. She's building her own fashion brand and mindset empire. She's the founder of Online Boutique Icon. It's a Philadelphia-based fashion studio. So I've watched your kind of fashion sense and style. It just like changes a little bit throughout the years. And like back then was probably five years ago or something. I went to your page and I was like, oh my God, like she looks like um, Erica Badu, just looking really fucking cool. And I was like, I really have to up my game. Oh my God. And now I feel like you're in kind of like basics everyday pieces, but like with flair and like sexiness, but just like functional, but like really cool still. Yeah. I tried to do, I call it elevated basics. So you're going to the grocery store or work or on a date or wherever with these damn kids, you're going to wear it and it's going to make you feel good. Yeah. You always look good. And then also like, I don't know if you know this, but you posted something of mine and another Philadelphia based fashion brand, Milano de Rouge, Uh was following me from you or something like that. And you posted one of my videos that uh, was me like baby dancing uh, to back that ass up with my, with Lukey when he was just born. And that was my first viral video ever. And it was because of you. Really? Yes. (laughs) I don't know if I ever like told you that, that I connected that dots, but like that is why. So you are responsible for my first viral video, Chris. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Right. I did not know that. You want me to cry soon? (laughs) That video probably just was just on my healing journey, probably just put a little life in me. Mm. That's funny. Wow. Yeah. And now a quick message about today's sponsor, Lesser Evil, who is making some of my family's most favorite snacks right now. We all love their popcorn and their space balls. Their snacks are organic, minimally processed, clean. They use no seed oils and they essentially fulfill all of my snacking dreams. Okay. They check all of my snacking boxes by both being wholesome and delicious. Yes, please. Get yourself some Lesser Evil snacks. You can find them at Whole Foods, Target, Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Publix, and Kroger. They're all over the place. You're going to love them. Give them a try. Now, back to the show. So what we were going to kind of dive into is you navigating motherhood alone, kind of amidst a difficult co-parenting situation, and this mindset shift that you had that really transformed your life and helped you let go of anger and pity and it rediscover your, your power. Talk about it, Chris. Tell us. You know, I have two children and it's crazy because everyone's like, what? And I don't post my daughter online because she's almost 23. And I'm just really, you know, sharing with my audience and not intentionally at first, just becoming a mother as an adult because I had my daughter at 16. Yeah, um, There's a lot of things that I didn't know. Um, but what I did have was a really strong support system with 
the her her father, and I thought, okay, you know, I'm having a new baby. <laughs> Woo! Uh, at six, you know, sixteen years later, and I'm like, oh, this will be this will be a piece of cake. I'm an adult now. Um, I've known this person since high school, and five months into the pregnancy, I was like, what am I doing? Oh my god. I I had the biggest panic attack because now I'm feeling I'm seeing that this is going to be a one-sided thing. What were the like the signs or the things that like made you start to feel that way? I think that once you're first of all you're when you're pregnant your hormones are all out of out of whack. I think seeing how a person treats a woman when she's pregnant, especially the person that you procreated with, you get to see a little bit of these this is what's this is what's to come. There was this one time I had an uh, ultrasound. I went in and it's just a regular, like you know, your regular ultrasound to check on the baby. And the nurse she leaves and they're going for a long ass time. And I'm like, what's going on? She comes back in with the doctor. He says nothing to me, not a hello, nothing. And he sits down. And he's mm hmm mm hmm. And he's looking and I'm like, what? Oh, it may be nothing. You know, uh, sometimes with Asian uh, Americans or African Americans, this this just may be nothing. But it, it seems to be that the baby may have Down syndrome. And I was just like, well, damn, like it was just a, a gut punch. Wait, that first of all, what the fuck is the matter with the that doctor? You don't just like go home and wait. You go home and think about that and only that until you have answers. It was hard. For three weeks, I had to wait to hear back. And, you know, I recall, like, just being dropped off at home from the part- from my partner at that time. And I'm like, I'm in this little apartment at the time. I lived in a little efficiency. Mm. I was working my not- I was working at Matt Cosmetics at the time. And I just was crying for days. And I'm like, he just left. There was no concern. You know, there was no checkup. It was just kind of like, oh, okay. And all I kept thinking is, what if? And it ended up, thank God, not being anything, just that his nose didn't have a pointy bridge. But for those three weeks of waiting for results, I found myself alone with this information. Yeah, so you you have the baby. He's healthy. What was kind of next? Like, what were the next things in in your co-parenting experience with that partner? Being at work, you know, you get a phone call, you get a text message, like, what time are you coming home? It was almost like he was a babysitter. This is when he was home with, with is, Goliath. and just I would, drop, I would drop Goliath off or he would, you know, pick him up. And I would only have a four-hour shift. And it was a four, four hours of torture, like, to be away from your child. And, you know, I'm breastfeeding and I'm receiving text messages. Like, you forgot the milk and the milk was left in the bag. It was never put in the freezer um, so just those little things, I feel like I was living in just a state of panic all the time. Mm. I was always anxious, always panicking, like, oh, I got to hurry up. Like, can't, you know, can barely poop. <laughs> you know, you, you don't have yeah. time to do anything because you just don't have that, that, that support. I, I, so I, I think in motherhood in general, like with little kids, like in babies, like you just, your, your time is so time. stretched so thinly mm-hmm. that everything feels like it's a race to get it done. Like I can remember going to brush my teeth being like, 
I'm like, what the fuck is the matter with me? Why don't I slow down and brush my teeth mm-hmm. for an extra 30 seconds here? Like, it's not going to like change the day if I like don't, you know, rub my fucking right. gums off with this toothbrush well, right now. <laughs> yeah. I have two seconds to do everything. So, yeah. So do you feel like that at that point where you're kind of feeling this massive amount of stress about needing to get back to the baby, needing to be there, do you feel like this is like you failing or do you know at that point that he is not doing a good job as dad? Like, are you, are you in two mindsets at this point? Like at this point I am lost. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, I'm operating on just survival mode. There's no, like, this is, you know, he's six months. I'm mm-hmm. literally in my mind. I'm just running. Mm-hmm. I'm on I'm on a hamster wheel. I'm not thinking about this, that, and the third. I'm just like, okay, what do I do? Okay, I got to hurry up. Like, I'm just constantly anxious, constantly mm-hmm. just thinking like, okay, what did, if I say this, this is going to happen. Or let me try to, you know, minimize myself so I don't get as much kickback. Mm-hmm. That that's just that's just I think when when you're fresh into a situation and you're not taking it taking a minute to slow down to think about it, it just felt like that. It felt like I was on a, a hamster wheel that I could not get off of. I really felt like this should what what the how the fuck did I get here? Mm-hmm. How did I get here at thirty three? Like mm-hmm. what am I doing? Like what did I miss? <laughs> because clearly. I missed something because I I shouldn't be in a situation at this big grown age. And that's what a lot of us feel like. I'm too old to be going through shit like this. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm too good of a person for real to be going through some shit like this. Mm -hmm. And then it's like that doubt is, I feel like it's almost like a seed and you're watering it now. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of times that's what it is. Like someone put this one thing on you and now you're just lamenting over it. And it's just like, maybe if I did this differently, maybe if I stopped talking like this, or maybe if I stop showing up as bold and, you know, just, just, you know, tone it down a bit. It would be different. Yeah. Like thinking that you can control somebody else with like your own actions or like, yeah. Now I, I, like, I think what makes me wonder right now is like thinking back to when you first, when you first became a mom at age 16, do you think that there's like something about like ignorance was bliss at that young age where you don't think about the pressure of life so much? Is that why it was easier? It was easier because I lived at home with my parents. Um, My daughter's father was amazing. His parents were really active. So I feel like even at that time, I, I was like, was I really actually her parent or was I her big sister? And everyone else was so hands on that, you know, I still had to, hey, mom, can we go here? Like, it was like, yeah. literally, like, my mother was like, really hands on with her. Um, but I also just think that that's because I was home and I was younger. And it was like, I didn't even experience all of that I experienced now because I lived in a house with three other people. Um, mm-hmm. So I always had someone to say, hey, you know, my sister would knock on the door. Hey, you need me to take her? You have school tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, damn, I missed that. Like, where's that? And getting a taste of it and then not having it, you're like, this is different. You know, Mm. this is, this is a lot. There's no Mm. one to pick up the slack. Yeah. And also having that, like, as your first experience, expecting it to feel similar or better because you're older. And then like knowing that you went into it thinking you had a partner in it, but then that person just really, because at that point in life, when you're like a grown 
person, mm-hmm. you're kind of like, how could you not be here for your kid? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, how could you not know that you have to just fucking put your big kid pants on and do this right now? Right? At what point did things start to change? At what point were you like, I got this, I am snapping out of this. I, I'm not myself anymore. And I got to get back to me. And it, it, it took me a few years. Yeah. It took me until COVID. Uh, I want to say Goliath was maybe just entering three. So about two and a half, three, I snapped out of it because I was still running on, um, let me do this. So this wouldn't happen. And then that still wasn't changing anything. Were you guys together romantically still at this point? No, we weren't together romantically since Goliath was maybe four, two months, four months, like that two to four months cut off. Like Mm. absolutely nothing could get me there. (laughs) Like, I think that once you see, once you remove that physical, you know, aspect of any relationship, you can really see clearly like, Oh, do I, I don't, I don't know. Something's keeping it. This is glue, but this is, <laughs> this is, this is the glue to it. But I think that once that happened, I could see clear, but I didn't really make a real executive decision until it got too bad where I had to make a decision. And that wasn't until he was almost three years old. So for years, I'm going through this. I'm feeling my confidence. And it's funny that I'm showing up like this online, but I'm like, no one knows what goes on in your mind or off of line where you still have to show up, but you are mentally drained and you're, you know, these seeds are being planted and you're thinking, should I post today? Or should I show up like this? Or, you know, you're getting backlash for how you're posting and, oh, we get it. You're a good mom. It's, it's almost like a bully. A, A bully is keeping me quiet. And I don't think until that, that third year, that's when everything changed. That third year is where I feel like I didn't take my power back. I literally snatched, I yanked it up. And I was like, yeah, no, you're, if, if this continues to go like this, there's going to be no more left in you because you're going to be driving on empty for the longest time and you have to stop. The way I snatched it back though, at that moment, it was like, okay, I'm just doing something, but I didn't know how pivotal it would be. I snapped out of it quickly, but, you know, something happened. Um, Goliath had longer hair at the time. His dad agreed to keep it long, but because he knew how important it was to me, I was always threatened with, I'm going to cut his hair. And I was like, one day he picked him up. It was actually Thanksgiving and Black Friday was the next day. And I'm a business owner and I have so much going on. And I'm like, I'm getting in the groove of it. And he said he was going to cut his hair. And I and I was just kind of like begging, like, please don't, please don't cut his hair. Please don't do this. Like, we didn't agree on it. And he gave me the barbershop's address and he gave me the time. The time that he gave me, if I was at home, I would have never made it to the barbershop. It would have been too late. I would have got there at the end of the haircut. It was only God that I was already in that area that I got there before he got there. And I went inside and I said to the barber, hey, <laughs> not here to start any trouble, um, but my son has a haircut appointment. And I, this is not this is not something that we agreed on. But if he says yes to his haircut, I'll help in any way that I can. If he says if Goliath no, says yes, if Goliath says yes, 
He's a big boy. If he says yes, he can get his hair cut. If he says no, you'll be compensated and I have to go. I'm at the barbershop. Goliath sees me. They pull up. He sees me. He runs to me. Mommy. And I, you know, I pick him up. I say, you ready to get your hair cut? He's like, what? I'm not getting a haircut. I'm too little. <laughs> and I'm smiling. I'm smiling. I'm like, no, let's get, you know, I'm still, cause I'm still, what I'm learning is to just let it just, just be calm with it. No, come on. Like, I, did you want to get a haircut? He's like, no. So I sit down in the barber chair. He sits on my lap and he's still very, very sure of himself. I'm not getting a haircut. And I looked and I said, sure, come on, let's sit down. I'm not, I don't want a haircut. I want to go home with you. And I'm sitting there and his dad goes, come on, man, you're wasting our time. You said you wanted to get a big boy haircut. And he's like, no, I don't want a haircut. We got up and we left. And I'll tell you right now, for the next six months, he did not see his father. His father did not call him. He did not pick him up on his days. He did not check in on him. At that moment, that those six months, the first it, it was it was gut wrenching, like it was. And during those six months, he's now in school, and he sees all his friends, and they all have haircuts. So I said, "Okay, we're about to go back. We're about to go to court. He's going to have to go over there, which is fine because I don't want to keep him from his dad. He's going to have to go. But what I don't want is something being held over my head." This is what's making me have anxiety. This is what has me looking out the window, like just my heart is, is he going to come? And it seems so minute because it's just a haircut. But when you have a parent that is deported and you haven't, you know, he's never met your son, your son. This is his first grandson. This is something that keeps your family tradition going. Okay. So what I'm thinking about is this is going to be ripped from me. We sat up one day and I was like, you know, what? I was in the shower. I said, hey. Do you want a haircut? And he said, yeah. And I went in the kitchen and we sat in his room. I gave him the scissors and he cut it. And I cut all 32 of his locks off. I saved them. I wrapped them up. I smell, I smell them still to this day. And at that, at that last cut, I swear it felt like a shell was just real off my back. I felt like a good crack. <laughs> Like somebody just cracked my back. And I was like, in a cry that came out, I was like, oh my gosh, this thing has been controlling me for all this time. And it's just a haircut. Mm. It's just, it's, it was a, it was a, the first time I felt like my power was coming back. Like almost like I was, you know, defrosting. <laughs> like I felt that way. And that was it. That, that, that right there was a the moment where I stopped being controlled. This simple haircut. And during that six months, I made the most money ever. I, I, my business, when I say it took off, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't even digest it at the time. It's wild, like the way that things that happen are really symbolic in other ways to us. Like I just, sometimes it feels like a sign and a way to like let yourself just yeah. let go of something else. And what I wonder like is 
Goliath's dad back in his life? So that was three years. And, you know, we went to court and he started getting him again on the same schedule that we already had Tuesdays and Thursdays every other weekend. And that lasts for about two years. And then it happened again. He was gone for 10 months. And this is the crazy thing. If I didn't get through it at that three years old, I would have never been able to get through it the second time because I just had to think, what, what are we, okay, what are we not doing? What am I missing? I am allowing myself to play tug of war. And I think that if you think about tug of war and someone's pulling a rope and pulling a rope, a lot of us want to win. A lot, a lot of us want to win. But what if you let go of the rope and that person falls and you're standing? And that's how I started thinking because this second time that went around, it, it hurt more because mm. now Goliath is older. Yeah. He's five and now he's turning six. And he's having questions. Hey, where's my dad? Birthday comes around. Does my dad know it's my birthday? Because he didn't call him on it. And, 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 and I'm sitting here now in, in a, a different mindset, right? And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, this is why a lot of us experience abandonment in adult relationships. This is why, like, th- these are, the, this is the area in the age group where these things stay with you for a lifetime. So I could be the mom that's bitter and I could be the mom that's, oh, and it's just me. Or I could be the mom that the home is peaceful and it's calm and we're talking about our feelings and we're journaling. And even though I didn't have that as a kid and I feel like most of us were raised on survival, I had to change that for my house and for my child. I had to say, okay, we're grown now. Allow myself to feel and not act like it's not bothering me because it is. And the reason it's bothering me now is because it's affecting my child. Right. Most of us, mama bears are going to, we're going to turn it up. I don't care about any of that. But when it starts to hit this place right here, this is where we have to take control. At that point, I got a lawyer. The last time I didn't have a lawyer. I just went and, you know, went in blindly. And I'll tell you, this is so funny. I'm like, if you can buy a new pair of boobs, (laughs) that bag you want, you should invest in a lawyer. You have to have help, the proper help. And I found a lawyer. And it was the best months of my life because he taught me something that I never knew how to do, which was shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) It was answer the question and the question only. Do not go overboard. Do not, you know, it's not about how you feel. It's about facts. Yeah. Oh my God. That's like, excuse me. (laughs) Let me tell you what happened five years ago. He's like, no one gives, no one cares about five years ago. All we need is facts. And I was just like, damn. Okay. Wait, sorry. I can we just rewind for a second? You said you had, do you got your new pair of boobs? Did you say? Boobs. Oh my God. That's why your boobs look so good. It makes me actually feel better to know that you bought them. Good for you. I got them. And I was like, I was happy because I'm, I'll be 40 in August. And I was just thinking to myself, I just got them last year. So I'm like, just wait, like, wait until you're like almost over the hill. Like you're right there. Don't do anything (laughs) before, before 40. You know what I mean? It's like, you still have time, but when it's like right there at the edge, I'm like, I'm getting I'm yeah. Oops. I'm I'm going to eat right. I'm going to rest. And that's the thing with even just taking back your power. It's like a lot of us get into a place where we just stop caring. And you're like, did I put deodorant on today? Did I eat today? Because you're running on empty. 
Yeah. It all goes together. Well, even when I show up online, it's not that I'm doing it for me. Like when I get dialed up, I'm doing it for me because it's like <laughs> when you look good, you feel a little bit better. Yeah. You know, when you go to that mirror and you're just like washed out. You just kind of like, I look, I feel sick because I look sick. You know, you can trick your mind with, you know, just tweaking some things. And that's just a little bit of this. I'm like, you're a warrior. You can do these things, but also being quiet and knowing when to speak and knowing how to speak because you tell the story different when you're healing. Instead of someone did this, sometimes it's not done to you. It's done for you. Sometimes, oh, yeah. you know, we, at that moment when you, when you're, it's, it's happening, you don't see it that way. You see it like, I need help. And it's like, but would this really be helping me? Because every other day I noticed Goliath had to figure out who he was over my house. He's this way over there. He's this way over there. Like he could not get on a routine, like on a schedule. So once his dad did go away, he was on a great schedule. Yeah. It was like, it was like, wow, it was still moments, but it was like, okay, we can, we can regulate these things because this is going to happen in the real world. When you're working, when you're in school, there's going to be bullies. They're going to be this, there's going to be, they have to learn how to operate in all areas. Everyone's not going to be super nice. Um, but what, what it coming back because now he's back in, involved and I see a little sprinkle of him still struggling Mm-hmm. But you know what I did? I said, okay, now we're going to get him in therapy. You know, um, I, I get really excited about Goliath seeing me happy mm-hmm. and never hearing me have a, a yelling match or argument. I think about those things. I think about how we're, we're dancing and we're taking time for each other and we're just doing our thing that what if it was different? What if he would have heard me on the phone yelling at the top of my lungs and crying in the fetal position? How about thinking about it as, wow, he gets to experience a a happy, healthy mom who just survived some things. Now, if I have to cry, he sees me cry, but there are tears of joy. If he sees me cry now, he's like, I'm like, he's like, why are you crying? I'm like, why am I crying? He's like, because you're happy. You're grateful. And I'm like, yeah, because life changed. It changed when you decide to let go. It, It changes when you realize that these were sent to be a catalyst to your growth. And it's not, it's up to you how you use it. This could either be this way or it could be this way. And I chose for it to be on the lighter side of things. Yeah. You have to also be really strong though, to have that mindset and maintain that mindset, what you're talking about, like that, uh, I I like to call these like, like big time adulting moments or whatever, where you like what you said a little bit ago, which were things were happening for you, not to you. So like, this is that whole, like the universe is happening. Like shit is happening around us. And we can lament over, oh, and this person did this. Mm -hmm. You did nothing but slingshot me to the future, (laughs) to waking up to my own bullshit and holding me accountable for the things that I've allowed to take place. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. When, when you're working through life, you have to understand like, okay, if I had to pick up my own baggage or someone else's, I'm just going to pick up mine because the lessons go with my stuff. And this is how you get through it. Like, it's not ever going to be perfect. Perfect is just, that's just an illusion. We have to really understand like, hey, that's that's a small thing to a giant. I can I can get through that. I can I can move mountains if I really want to. Um, I can walk around them. I can find a different way. I can swim. You know, it's just, it's small things. But when you put them all collectively together, you're like, oh, I am pretty powerful. Are they hurtful and painful? Yeah. Do I have to have a pity party for them? No, that's a decision. 
so in like your own special way, are you also kind of psyched to like have Goliath's dad be able to be like, oh shit, like she is. You know what? I think fucking awesome. I was about to say any any woman that's listening right now will tell you this. They will never admit that you're the one that they should have treated right. I think that that's where a lot of their um, disdain comes from is because it's like they can't, they can't, they can't accept it. Um, you are always great. You are always great, but you'll always be a mirror to someone and they'll notice what, what they need to work on. But I know for a fact, I, I, I said to a friend of mine, I'm like, I've never gotten a thank you. I've never gotten a good job. I've never gotten a happy Mother's Day, but I don't need it because I, I do genuinely get it from other places, but I know that I'm doing a great job. And if you hold on to that one person that's not acknowledging you, you're going to miss out on the blessing of a whole ton of people that are rooting for you, supporting you, sending you love and light. And it's just like, I know he's kicking this out. I know it. He's definitely, by the way, I can tell you right now, he fucking is. Yeah. Yes, he is. It's okay. <laughs> because I get to, I get to do right by, by the things that were thrown my way. Yeah. And it's totally okay because like, okay. then somebody will come to you that really deserves you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before I let you leave, what is your favorite snack, Chris? I can eat mints and ice all day. It's probably because I'm anemic for the ice. But <laughs> oh, yeah. Like ice chips? I have an ice machine in the studio. Oh, you're an ice chip lady? Yeah. What kind of mints? Like a Just peppermint? Just the little circle peppermints. I yeah. love mints. Like the red and white ones? Like an old lady in church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. love Chef. mints. My daughter um, loves those. I love them. I chew them. I literally, I pop them in like they're chips. Okay, that's a good one. Well, I really admire you. You are an icon. You are doing an amazing job. I'm so happy your business is like killing it now too. You really deserve it. I appreciate you allowing me to be a part of your community. Mm. Um, it just, I can't wait to see you. Same. Yeah. In real life one day, I'm going to hug you. Child, I'm coming to New York. It's all, I'm not that far. I'll get my shit together for you. Like I'll put on like real clothes and look cool and like not wear leggings. You look good in leggings. <laughs> Everybody don't look, we don't all look, they just make us look good, but you actually look great in leggings. Leggings and a sweatshirt with a little moto jacket. That's all you need to do. That's it. All right. That's it. I'll do it. All right, Chris, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If the show tickled you, inspired you, share it with a friend and please rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts because it's actually really helpful to me. And if you want to share your big time adulting moment or be a guest on our show, please write to me at bigtimeadultingpodcast, all one word at gmail.com and subscribe to my magazine, Soul Snacks, where I curate everything you need to know into a tiny, neat little space. Now get yourself a snack. 